Rachel. Hi, Jen. And welcome to Devilish Bookworms, the podcast. And hello also to everyone else. Yeah, because I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Where we read and review newly released books. And we release new episodes every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. We don't know when on Tuesdays, but it'll be on a Tuesday. Hey, forgive me. I'm fresh at this editing thing, okay? Fresh. Fresh prints. Fresh to death, man. Is that copyrighted? (laughs) Um, Probably. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday afternoon where we are recording, but also on Tuesday in the future, um, because that's when you'll be listening, or possibly later. And, you know, it's just an example (laughs) about how time doesn't exist, and it's just fluid. Oh, well, you know, it's it kind of ties into the book so the book that we're reviewing today is where echoes die by courtney gold 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 yes um and courtney is from salem oregon although i just realized today that jen pronounces it oregon and i don't know how i feel about that but we're just gonna move past it Uh, so leave me alone okay just leave it alone (laughs) so courtney is also the author of the dead and the dark which she released in 2021 and in fall of 2024 she has another book coming out called what the woods took which kind of sounds awesome it does actually sound really good (laughs) she is here she is on the instagram and her handle on the instagram is g G-A-Y-O-W-Y-N. So if you want to check her out, you can go to Instagram. And then she also has her own website because she's cool. Yes, she does. You could actually see a picture of her in some field. Can we listen? Can we talk about how cool this cover art is for this book? And not just this book, but also the last book. Are you talking about the last book from our podcast? No, no, okay. her last book. Her last book, okay. So this book is, it's a black cover, but the picture is of a young woman who is uh, Beck, I'm assuming, because she's got glasses and, and Beck has glasses. But anyways, okay. so it's the cover art is this like burnt yellow color. It's not orange, but it's not gold. It's like, it's cool. And it makes it's you think tan. of Arizona. <laughs> is, that, is that tan though? I mean, it's a brown. What color is this dress? Is it blue or is it black? Oh, anyway, not going there. (laughs) And then her. So the cover art for the dead in the dark is actually pretty rad, too, because it's a white cover. And the picture is of two girls. I'm assuming they're girls, but they're made out of this purple smoky looking ish. It's kind of she's got pretty cool uh, cover art. So that's that's the moral of that story. Well, I definitely dig the the artwork on here. I mean, Isn't it kind of cool? de- definitely once you read the book, it gives you like a glimpse of what she's seeing. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love that. But it, the way that it all kind of meshes together is really rad. So, Jen, would you like to do the honors of letting our audience know what this book is about? Oh, I certainly would love that. So this book is about two sisters that actually head to a town that their mother was absolutely obsessed with uh, before she had passed away. I mean, this mother had visited uh, this town which was called back water back uh, back gravel back gravel (laughs) so back water uh, oh god (laughs) 
forgive my brain it does not work sometimes forgive my existence (laughs) (laughs) so uh their mother actually traveled to back ravel like a lot over the years uh to the point where they were actually concerned that he was actually doing it so frequently but the the weirdest part was is she wanted to write a story about how people were existing in this town she felt it was very weird and the people that actually made it out of the town were completely broke and couldn't remember anything really interesting yeah ellery was she was a journalist and she had caught wind of a story about a gentleman who um went Went to this town and his leg was broken and then he went missing for what was it like a week or two weeks or something, something and then like that. something like that and then when he was found again his leg was completely healed even though it was broken like two weeks before and he was broke he had no money and not only that but he couldn't remember anything about the time that he had spent there and so Ellery kind of did this little rabbit hole yeah which I, I mean that, that kind of proves that as a journalist you kind of do that but i mean she took it above and beyond like all of a sudden she was just like okay well it's just a piece of paper and then it was a full-blown house covered in notes about this town i mean they they even said in there there was um no wall space no window uncovered and you couldn't even see light at that point from the windows so basically if you know anything about me i am a full-blown anglophile and i'm a full-blown franco francophile and so basically back gravel was to ellery as france and england are to me except no i was gonna say a little uh, but a little less uh crazy about it but no it's pretty accurate actually <laughs> so basically what she's saying is she's obsessed with england and france i'm and obsessed I can... with you oh you're <laughs> so fucking cute mm-hmm. i love her i, I absolutely love her <laughs> <laughs> if i was to have anybody obsessed with me I would love it to be her and thank God she is. So I'm well, what a good world we live in. You are the the luckiest gal. I know I am. No idea how much I know that. Anyways, (laughs) back to our story. Because she was such a a great journalist, she kind of did her thing and traveled there, tried to ask all the questions. And well, unfortunately, she ended up getting sick and wasn't able to tell her story. She died, everyone. (laughs) Wow. I was not a spoiler. It happens in the first page. I know, but I was trying to be delicate. She was trying to be all sensitive. Like, no. So, Mama Bickering, Bickering, is that her name? Yes, Bickering. Uh, Mama Bickering passed away. Um, And then the girls were on their own and they traveled to this town to see basically so see what was going on. Well, the oldest sister had an agenda. The younger sister was like, "Okay, this is a weird vacation that we're on now, but let's roll with it. Yeah. So they did end up traveling there and uh, immediately they kind of got the weird vibe that their mom ended up getting when they were originally visiting the town and everybody in the town kind of was like do i know you are you here for a real reason yo that was so weird but also pretty well done when when beck went to the little convenience store and the dude was like i know i know you i know you know i know you (laughs) oh it was so it was like creepy but but it was was, cool yes i will absolutely agree with you there but I mean, just the the little subtle details that Courtney put into this was just like, it was ghouled. Ah, 
<laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> I know. You know what I loved? So early on in the book, so she actually does really well with imagery. And there's a, uh, well, there's a metaphor that she had in the beginning of the book. And she was talking about Beck. And the little quote says, she doesn't understand the way her mother's digging will blacken her nails forever, will twist her mind and wring it out like an old sponge. Beck doesn't understand yet that this first piece of paper won't blossom. It'll grow into a noose. And I was like, ooh, girl. (laughs) Yeah, she really did have a lot of great imagery. I just, my mind was blown. I will say, even right now, Courtney is a very talented writer. She's she's really good. I liked her. Mm -hmm. She was really good. So, obviously, I like the book. (laughs) But... (laughs) I want to keep going with the the rest of it without giving spoilers. Basically, when these two got into town and, you know, Beck is actually like trying to look around the town, she notices that the town isn't normal. There's uh, a lot of military buildings that are crumbled and then you've got new buildings that were absolutely pristine. It was like nothing fit together so it kind of gave you like that vibe of something's kind of up with this town but you just gotta look deeper and the deeper she tried to look the more kind of everybody kind of skirted around what was really going on which was interesting well and they all told her to wait for the tour because so the the town was not owned by it but it was ran by a man named Rant. Randy? Ricky. It was Ricky. I Listen, it's been a long day, but it was Ricky. (laughs) And Ricky had a daughter named Avery. And so Avery was kind of like, she was the eyes and ears of the town. And she would take everyone when they came to visit the town, she would take them on this tour. But like, I would never have taken that tour. Because listen, I have such a rebellious bone every bone in my body is rebellious and so every single person poor beck is sitting here answer, asking all these questions and every single person is like mm, i can't really answer that you should wait for avery mm, i can't really answer that i would be like no no guess what guess who's not talking to avery i'm not talking to avery and when avery comes around she sounded like a twat so listen <laughs> there's a lot to talk about there and i'm I can't, I can't, I can't even comment at this point. But you can comment up until it starts being spoilers. You know what I mean? So like, what were your first impressions of Avery? So like, don't get me wrong. That tour was really sus. Like I was, as soon as she said, hey, you need to go on this tour. And then she showed up and was like, nope, we're going now on this tour. I'm like, mm, something's yeah, up I've been with like, this I'm girl. sorry, I'm going back to bed. Or I'm sorry, I'm doing anything else. Yeah, Tell like, me I've got to come with you right now. Absolutely not. Oh, uh, it was definitely like one of those moments like, I probably would have gone just to see what the fuck happened because I'm that psycho. I'd have been like, have fun standing there. Well, okay, listen, I've gotten into a vehicle and drove to a freaking one horse town where I literally thought I was going to die. So I can't say that I wouldn't go on a tour with a strange girl on a bicycle. (laughs) I, I hella would. I've done some sketchy things, all right? 
I have some stories, but it was, it's the whole point of like, you have to, you have to go on this tour. And then this little hoe comes up and is like, okay, we're going to do this now. Are you ready? Let's go. We like, we got to go. I'd be like, Mm-mm, I'll go tomorrow. I'll go see? on my terms. Tell me I'm going right now. Mm-mm. Well, see me, I, I would have gone and I would have like kind of skirted around everything she wanted to do. Oh, you want to go that way? Well, I'm going this way. This tour needs to go this way this time. <laughs> like I, I'm that person that will push back every fucking which way I can. So if I like you tell that. me to, well, you, you've seen it happen. You tell me to do something. And I'm not going to listen to you. Come on. I love you, but I never listen. Do I? To me? Yeah. Yeah, you do. And guess, yeah. the fu- guess what? I listen to you too. So don't even, <laughs> when it comes no, to other people, I don't listen to anyone. I don't even listen to myself. Myself will be like, listen, self, we got to get up at eight o'clock. And my rebellious ass will be like, 805, what's up? <laughs> okay yeah you will be like 805 it takes you an hour to get ready to just go to the grocery store i don't even want to drives me nuts give me five minutes freaking take a shower freaking put my hair up and let's go <laughs> listen i have an affinity for drag queens and this makeup doesn't take five minutes oh god i can put makeup on while i'm still washing my hair you that shit what? <laughs> i will my liquid my eyeliner down I don't use liquid eyeliner. Ew. No, I do. I know like a you whole do. Bottle. Ugh, I I can't. We digress. After they left the the coffee shop and you know did their whole tour thing. Java 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 Java. Name that line. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. Oh lord. I've never. Yeah. No. That's not. A- that's not true i've seen you you like this yeah you have like the other day (laughs) oh god that was interesting i'm sorry keep going anyways so they they did the tour and you know avery is avoiding all the questions she doesn't want to answer anything not even anything about her father or the how the town came to be when it was became in existence like nothing uh so she was still left with more questions than she was answers and in all fairness if someone came up to you and was like hey about your dad what's his deal you'd be like uh no I'd be like, why? What's your name? Who do you, who wants to know? Guess what? You're not finding out about my dad. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like you're you're being told, oh, this is the treatment facility. You can't go up there, but yet we do treatments here. But you can't be told what the treatments are. Oh, but my dad runs it. Okay, so can you introduce me to your dad? No. Can you tell me anything about him? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell me what he does? No. I mean, like kicks ass she takes she names nothing oh he he was not not doing that <laughs> i mean <laughs> I, I mean he 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 took names bananas bananas <laughs> <laughs> he took names that's it there, there was lots of people that were living there there were a thousand really. people in the town i know that that's a weird uh, fact for me to know about the book but here you are but they <laughs> did mention it a couple of times yeah yeah she avoided all the questions about her father and all that she was being invasive which was more sketchy than anything like 
yeah, I totally get not wanting to answer all the questions, but she literally couldn't even answer one. Well, she could, she just wouldn't. Right, but that made her more sketchy, and the whole town more sketchy. I mean, it's just like, how the fuck are you gonna invite someone to a town to quote-unquote seek treatment or even allow them to have vacation but not allow outsiders and give them information yeah it's weird even (laughs) when she even when she went to the library the next day like she was there she watched what she was doing like that was weird as fuck i know but once you once you know and you know then it's like such good writing oh it really was i mean Oh, all the parallels that she really fucking made. I just, I could not. Like, Plus, it was I, like, you go, go ahead. ahead. I keep, no, I keep interrupting no, you. You no, have because, the floor. No, because I want to get into spoilers soon. <laughs> okay. Um, but even like, normally I don't like suspense and normally I don't like thrillers or anything like that because I'm like, I'm like, I mean, not that this is suspense or thrill. I don't even know what genre this is. I'm really bad with genre, guys. Um, but anyways, normally you can kind of figure stuff out you can kind of the way that they word stuff though and there is one aspect of this book that i think was over explained and we'll get to that when we're in spoiler town but it was it i think that the first part of this with avery just being there always looking over her shoulder every time beck has a question she's like why what what's which why do you want to know why do you want to know it's just so cool it was just done so well that it was like ew but also, like, I want to know more about you. <laughs> yeah, I agree 100%. Because it, it was just like, you really knew something was up with this Avery character. But at the same time, you you wanted to know more, but you also wanted to push her away. And it made and... me uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Yes! It wasn't so voyeuristic. It was like, ew! <laughs> yeah, no, I 100% agree. Like, if this was me in this predicament i would have ran the other way away from this person that's how much of a creep vibe this person was giving i just the lingering was just really killer for me yeah i feel that i feel that so do you want to get into spoiler spoiler nation now well i mean i guess we could pretty much say we could kind of give a little bit without not giving away the story basically like you know all the people in town were receiving some sort of treatment and the way that they kept it with how the treatments were was it was for pain but they never specified what kind of pain and yeah but and more than that too because they weren't even always saying that it was pain it was like because she even asked she was like well what are the treatments for and she they were like well it's kind of hard to say yeah but i mean the main reason that they kept saying was pain that was really kind of like what killed me because then it kind of made it loop all the way back around again. I fucking loved that. Yeah. But the the one thing I do want to mention is in the very beginning of the book, they actually do put a, a, a warning in the book that, you know, kind of gives you an idea that it, it's going to get into some emotional shit, uh, which I love that. But all right, let's get into the the real guts of it okay um so basically which actually that warning here's the thing is i don't know if i'm just so jaded by life but like to me nothing there was nothing that was really that bad like there was nothing that was but i mean it's a good thing to have those spoiler warnings because i'd rather i not spoiler but like the the sensitivity warnings because i would rather have a sensitivity warning than not have one you know what i mean like if someone has so i 
Um, there's an agent that I, I listened to the, the podcast called Sh- the shit. No one talks about, uh, writing and it is Bianca Murray, who is a, um, writer from, she's an author from South Africa and two, um, literary agents. One is Cece Lira, Bianca Murray, and, um, Carly Waters and Cece has a very strict, like, boundary and that is animal abuse she cannot and will not read anything that has anything to do with animal abuse and i'm actually the same way i can read a lot a lot like i said before i'm reading the language of fear by del james and there is a short story in there that is strong it's it's the force is heavy with the uh animal abuse in that story and i couldn't even read i couldn't even finish it so um i i kind of do like the sensitivity disclaimers that books are having these days because like i would much rather have a sensitivity thing come on there and be like hey uh there's a scene with a dog that you might not like and then i'll be like okay guess what i'm not reading that book (laughs) just so you know what you're getting into yeah but at the same time like i feel like uh, like this book i didn't feel like it needed a sensitivity warning like i understand there was there was a little bit to you know kind of feel and play with there but i just i wish people weren't so sensitive so they have to put a sensitivity warning on everything yeah and and i get that in this because in this story like i said i don't know if it's just that you know we we come from you know the streets of the hard knocks (laughs) Um, (laughs) i'm kidding right but it wasn't so rough for us to read but it, I mean, there, I'm sure there's someone out there who's, you know, recently really lost a loved one. Maybe it might hit a little bit more because of the the mother dying in the beginning. You know, maybe. Anyways, um, so where were we? Oh, into the spoilers, into the abyss of the spoilers. Jen, would you like to do the honors? Ah, <sighs> uh, you know I want to. Of course, <laughs> I, <do. laughs> I know you do. So basically, this town is fucking sketchy, all right? So basically what's happening is everybody in this town is receiving treatment. For what? It's debatable. One kid's getting treated for asthma, the other... Uh, another person was getting treated for a tumor. Another person was getting treated because of losing a family member. So it's just like there's a variant of people getting treated. And or how they're getting treated is they're quote unquote being unspooled. And that's interesting. Basically how they explain it or how Courtney explains it is they are picturing a moment in time in their past and it's got to be so vivid like they're feeling everything around them the wind the ground beneath their feet the sun shining on them that they step through that memory and what that does is it actually brings them back to that memory like that person that they were at that time of the memory so if they were healthy then they're healthy now so if uh i think his name was daniel uh Mm -hmm. he was having an asthma attack and they walked him through seeing that moment where he wasn't having that asthma attack and they saved his life so i don't know if you want to go into what that kind of curtails i kind of do so there's a lot that i there's a lot that i really like with this and and the first thing that i'll say is it's kind of like i went to school for um hypnotherapy and uh it's not just like it's if you want to delve into that by all means i'm not going to do it right now so 
have fun with that. But um, there is a lot, there are, there are a lot of techniques where they do damn near everything is visualization. And it is that kind of, um, you know, think of a memory, what is your happiest memory? Uh, This is one technique. And then, you know, using that memory to kind of ground you and put you in a scene and get your mind open and all this stuff. And as Jen was saying, this is so much more than that. And I don't know about anyone else, but there are some points in my life where I have um, been really in the moment. You know, you open your mind and you're like, I really want to remember this memory. I went to a an Arlo Guthrie concert one time when I was like seven, 16, 17. And I was in the front row and Arlo Guthrie was on stage and he was singing. And I was like, this is rad. I need to be present in this time. So I, I did everything. I, I looked at everything around me. I remember, I, you know, tried to memorize the, the way he looked on stage, the songs that he was singing, the stories that he was telling. I was sitting next to one of my best friends. Um, shout out to Brittany. <laughs> um, and she's not listening. Um, I, and I, and I want, I specifically wanted to remember everything I could about this and that's kind of what they do except it me if I'm if I'm sitting here right now I can go back and I can remember sitting in the where the exact seat I was what this what the stage looked like what he looked like the music uh but these people were actually stepping into it and then they were no longer present they were in their memory but the coolest thing about this whole thing to me is the physical aspect of it. Like the guy who had his leg broken and then he, in his mind, he went back into the memory and then he was as he was in the memory. So when Daniel was having his asthma attack, he had a cut on his eyebrow and she was like, hey, do you remember last week when you could breathe? Go back to that. And so he goes back to that. But but last week when he could breathe, he didn't have the cut on his eyebrow. So in front of their freaking faces, this cut on his eyebrow healed. And I was like, I'm in. That was so cool to me. Without going too deep into it, uh, hypnotherapy and the concept of mind over matter and your, your mental capacity or your mental doings uh, affecting your physical body is something that is you know studied ad nauseum like it's something that we delved really deep into um in in when I was in school the hypnotherapy is actually used during surgeries and it can be used you know if you're relaxed enough and you know you're in a deep enough um for lack of a better term trance then it slows down your you know um how fast your blood is pumping and you know, they use it or it has been used sometimes in lieu of anesthesia for actual surgeries. So I coming from, you know, that kind of having delved deep into that whole thing, um, I thought it was so cool that she added that aspect of the physicality of it uh, being affected by them stepping back into the memory. I thought that was so rad. Honestly, I freaking loved it. Like, the way she did it was it was so perfect because you could literally read it and visualize them actually doing it then it kind of like I don't know about you but it put in my mind like what's the memory that I would step back into like yeah like especially like right now what would I step back into like what would you step back into seeing as they could only go a week no because Beck was going back years because Beck was like 
what she was when she was in the kayak she was only a you know well so that that's you're going a little bit further though like towards the beginning they were only able to go back like a couple of days at first then it was a couple weeks and or a week and then it was a month no it was opposite it was opposite opposite. so we're doing spoilers guys um so the reason why is because so at first they could travel back into any amount of time and then the power was waning because he so basically what was happening was ricky was he was not hypnotizing them but he was putting them back into their memories and and it was they were you know physically going back whatever um but the power was starting to go away and he he had notes everywhere and he was like i don't understand basically why this isn't working anymore and at first they could go back to any time period but as the power quote unquote power started waning they could go back less and less and less yeah that's right because that's why he wanted to find the laboratory so yes even if it, if it was just like a week okay that i could only go back i'd say yesterday yesterday was a good day yesterday was a very good day if i could go back further though oh i don't know that that's a really rough one i would kind of want to go back to high school because those were the days like oh god i like we became friends and then it was just like an epic adventure ever since like so I, <laughs> but what about you what would you what would you pick um i don't know i've i've moved so many places i've been so many versions of myself that i don't know that i would be able to pick one i i'm sure i could but there's just so many you know would it be, you know, some time that I was living in, in Massachusetts? Would it be some time when I was living in, in California? Uh, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. There's just, there's so many options. Yeah. Because it, it's not like they were going back to fix a wrong. They were going back to kind of just be a healthier version of themselves. Yeah, a happier, a healthier and happier version. You know what it was kind of reminiscent of for me? Um, have you ever seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind with Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet? No, I have not. Bro, <laughs> you know, a hundred percent you have got to watch that movie. So real quick side note, the premise of that movie is um, people have bad memories. Yeah, but there's this team of people who figured out how to erase those memories from your brain. So say hypothetically, I broke your heart because I'm a heartbreaker, but I broke your heart. And so you wanted to erase me completely from your memory. You could do that. You would hire these people. They would do their little thing. And then I would be gone. I would, they would have removed me from every aspect of your memory, every aspect of everything. And, uh, it's amazing. It is amazing. It's Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet and it's perfection. Uh, so go watch that. (laughs) So it's kind of like the episode of Doctor Who when you put the sticker on and you forget why you were sad. So, so yes, a hundred percent. The whole time I was reading this book, especially when I got to the end, all I could think about was this is a Doctor Who episode. <laughs> the whole kinda, time. You know, it kind of could be if the the chemical that they were actually ingesting that a little bit later in the book they they find out that's what it is it's a chemical compound that actually like is able to kind of change time so yeah yeah, that could that could totally be like an alien specimen that's altering time and creating all wibbly wobbly tiny wimey stuff (laughs) i love it i love it oh god i love that 
Uh, I know you do. Um, so essentially what happens is through a, you know, zany series of events, it all kind of comes crumbling down. Um, the girl's mom comes into play, which that was one of the, that was one of the bits that I thought was kind of over, or that was the thing that I thought was over explained. So Beck finds this woman in the, she the finds this woman, woman in the desert. Yeah. The desert woman. And <laughs> Ricky was like, that's what you're calling <laughs> But it's explained early on in the book that that Avery's mom is gone. Avery's mom had left. And then Beck finds this woman. And it's also explained that Avery's mom was a scientist. And Beck finds this woman in the woods or in the in the woods, in the desert, who has all these science books. Like halfway through the book, I was like, oh, that's Avery's mom. And then later on in the book, Beck was like, oh my gosh. I'm putting, I never put two and two together. But then in the next pair or the next chapter, she was like, Avery was like, that's my mom. And Beck was like, what? (laughs) She's like, I don't know how I never saw it in their cheekbones and the lines of their face. And I'm like, bro, I thought you had this realization like last chapter. So as soon as she was brought in as a character, I was like, "Mm, yup, that's Avery's mom. Like, It, it was it was just bound to be obvious like basically the whole thing with the town was once you were there and you were uncoiled or unraveled you literally could not leave the town ever again so it would only make sense that her mother was there and this wild woman that's living off the freaking desert would make sense to be her mother that's you know certifiably insane <laughs> turns out she was just like you said the scientist but I mean, she was just, she was experiencing everything that everybody else was, that memory loss and that absent-mindedness or the slip, as they called it, where, mm-hmm. you know, they, they forgot where they were, what they were doing, and whom they kind of were. Mm-hmm. Which so. I also thought that was cool. So um, with that being said, with everyone being able to go back in time and, and you know, or back into their memories and and they're losing these chunks of their of their life, they're losing chunks in their head. And so when Beck asks everyone, hey, where'd you come from? Where'd you come from? They're like, I don't know. But I thought that that was so cool. Listen, I'm going to bring this back to Anne Rice for a second, because of course I am. But in the Vampire Chronicles, you have all these vampires and they're from all these different times, right? Like Lestat is from, I don't know when Lestat was from, which is weird, but I, he was like, what, 1800s, I think. And then you ha- you'll you have another vampire from like, you know, 1996. And you'll have another vampire from literally the beginning of time. And they're all different people with different stories, as we all are, but they're, they have completely different experiences. And I was thinking to myself how cool it would have been, you know, to be in a town because, you know, Avery and, and her family had been living in there for decades because of how often they jumped back into um, their memories and yeah. they never they never aged. They never, you know, got older. And I was thinking how cool it would have been, like, if they've been there for decades, right, then they probably have a family that moved there in, like, you know, I don't know. I'm just tossing out numbers like the 60s and then someone else who who is from the 90s and they all like they're all the same kind of in the in the way that they are now. But like mm-hmm. in their past, who were they? Like, I don't know. I just thought that was wicked cool. No, I totally get that. I just I couldn't get past the fact that, you know, they never aged. I was like, I was like, what took everlasting? What is this? <laughs> yeah, well, I I kept thinking of um, Benjamin Button aging backwards, basically. 
Like, <laughs> if they just kept going backwards and backwards and backwards. And, like, I understood Ricky's overall goal. Mm-hmm. But it was just, like, it was it was really hard to think of going back that far and what you might destroy just trying to go back that far, in my opinion. Like, yeah. it's, it's kind of like stepping on a butterfly in the past. Like, what kind of effect are you going to really honestly have? Ashton Kutcher! I'm sorry. Oh. Um, so no, good. you're 100% right. And on, and honestly, Ricky, I had, he might be my favorite character. And Ooh. the reason why is because he's, there's so much there. He loves his family, but he is mm-hmm. doing immeasurable damage to them, you know? Yes. And he's doing everything with the purest intentions. He wants to help people, but he's also literally killing them, you know? I mean, not literally, but it, inadvertently. Um but he has this goal. He wants to see, you know, his his dead son. And because of that, he points a gun at the mother of his children. And so he's so complex. And he's kind of like the embodiment of helicopter parents. You know what I mean? You don't want your kids to be sad. You don't want your kids to hurt. You don't want your kids to do any of this. So instead of letting them live their lives and become fully well-rounded people who have experiences and a life and all this stuff, he just keeps fucking resetting Avery. Poor Avery doesn't know who she is because he's like, oh, you're slightly sad. Let's reset you. Trust me, as a parent, like, I totally got that. Like, I felt so bad because, like, I'm a little bit of a helicopter mom. And I try really, oh, shut up. I try really hard not to be. I'm trying. Like, I let her free a little bit more. You know, I'm trying. Whatever. Anyways. (laughs) So, like, I understand, like, not trying to crush her individuality and trying to let her live her life, but you also want to protect them from making the mistakes that you've already made, and you don't want to see them sad. Like, I totally get that. But he went a little overboard, okay? Like, he, wow, all that hurt that he was causing his daughter just to see his son is just like, you're a dick. Well, I don't even think it wasn't even just to see his son because he didn't want Avery to hurt either. No, I I know. But his ultimate goal was to get his son back. OK, like that was the only motivation. Like he wanted his family to be together, but he wanted his son back. And that was the only way he could be a family. OK, that's mm-hmm. the way I took it. And I'm like, well, fuck, you still had a daughter that you could have loved and cared for. Like, I understood he 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 tried. He did what he thought was right. But it was just like that slap in the face because at one point in the book, he gave her that look that of just disgust. And it kind of reminded me of the Paris daughter that we reviewed yeah, where, yeah, 100%. you know, you have that moment when you're like, you're not the child that I wanted. Like, and that's kind of what I felt through that moment. And it was just like, I felt so bad for Avery because she was, she was just trying to do everything she could to make him proud and still was failing. Yeah. I, and, I completely uh, see what you, what you mean because it was literally like the mother and the Paris daughter, because it was like, I'm so grief stricken. I'm so immersed in my pain and my suffering that I'm just going to not make you suffer. Have a, well, <laughs> But not intentionally, but I don't care if you suffer. It's not even like that he, it's not even that he was trying to make her suffer. He just, he did care if she suffered because he was constantly resetting her. But it was like, it was like to hell with right and wrong. This is going to make me feel better. Right. And I'm sorry. I don't know if any of you can hear 
the thunderstorm that's happening, but I'm so for it right now. I'm I hearing all these rumbles. And, oh, God. But anyways, so yeah, I mean... It was just it was just one of those dynamics where I liked him as a character, but I didn't like him as a parent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I if I was to pick a favorite character, I kinda honestly would say Beck was my favorite. Only because um how fucking utterly stubborn this bitch was. <laughs> I I mean, if she is not us in a fucking situation, like, no, you're gonna tell me the answers and I'm gonna find out whether or not you're going to tell me the full truth or not and she just she was so hard-headed she just had to see it through her way and honestly I love the the fact that she kind of powered through it in the end and kind of I like I don't want to say the ending without saying it but you know she got through her grief of losing her mother and that was just like the way that Courtney wrote that was just it was so beautiful Mm -hmm. I will say I agree on all accounts but there's one thing about Beck that I I cannot get behind and (laughs) it is the fact that listen I'm all for you know, budding romances. I'm all for the fact that Beck and Avery had a thing going on. I'm I'm here mm-hmm. for it. Um, but there's a point when Ricky realizes that Beck is not going to help him and he exiles her basically from the treatment center. But he has Riley. He has her sister. And Beck's just like, I'm going back to the trailer. Absolute. Are you hold on? Listen, listen, everyone. Um, if someone had my brother. I would burn that bitch to the ground. (laughs) I would not get 10 fucking feet from that building without him next to me. Absolutely not. And every single time she's like, y'all, she didn't have her sister for like, what, uh, two days, two days, two days. And she's like, she's like, you know, I just... I need to get Avery out of this situation. And Riley. And, and Riley? And how many times <laughs> is your sister going to be an afterthought, you son of a bitch? I well, was- that's the thing. Like, her sister was an, uh, an afterthought almost the entire book. I mean, granted, like, when, her, when she was, her mother was going crazy and, you know, not feeling well and dying and all that uh she she kind of was like taking care of her sister but she also like Riley said she checked out like she was not there so Riley was actually in the background kind of helping her sister keep going while she was her sister was trying to take care of her mm-hmm. so like I I totally see where you're coming from she kind of did like just leave her everywhere oh I'll just go on my own you just stay here like she really was a forethought yeah, and and I I do love the fact that as an older sister, there really is there really is an older sister thing where it's like the oldest sister takes care of the family. She's the family therapist. She's the one that makes sure everything's okay, everyone's good. And with Ellery having passed away, Beck really, or not even not even having passed away when she was getting sick, Beck took over. She was taking care of the finances. She was managing the, the bank account. She was doing all the shopping, the cooking, the cleaning. Beck was 17 and she was doing all of this. And so Riley 
reciprocated in making sure that when Beck was overwhelmed or when she was starting to have a panic attack, Riley would go and immediate and she would make sure that Beck was okay. That relationship is incredible because it's a hundred percent how it is. If you have, if you're close with your siblings, and I know plenty of siblings that aren't close, but if you're close with your siblings, whatever that sibling needs from you, you are that person for them. Whether they want to talk about it or not, whether they want you there or not, and they may you know, kick and scream and not want you to be worried about them or whatever, but you are that person for them. So the fact that Beck was like, wait, I can't come inside. All right. And then walked away. I was like, no, no, I can't. What? What? Absolutely not. And see, I, I can attest to Rachel's, you know, craziness about little bro. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've watched her go running from one school to another to go protect little brother. I was right behind her, but at the same time, it was just like, yeah, she she will do anything for that man, even full grown as he is. (laughs) My brother is a fully grown ass man, like six foot tall, freaking, you know, he's solid. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not chunky. He's not, he's solid. And boy, he'll take care of himself. Yo. But if I won't be that little chihuahua in your face, I can't <laughs> touch my brother. <laughs> oh my God, it's so true. Don't you touch my brother. Locked up in a room somewhere and I'm just going to turn around like it ain't no th- absolutely not. And see, you never know with me. I, I mean, I have an older sister. She would probably leave my ass. But, you know, I am actually the one to get myself out of a predicament. So it's okay. It's only because I'm not there. Exactly. <laughs> all right my dear so um i do want to say real quick uh before we head out there's another bit that i like that the desert uh it was a quote from the desert woman and it it really fits in when i'm saying that i had this doctor who idea this whole time this this bit really fits into the whole wibbly wobbly timey wimey thing and the desert woman so the, the little snippet is i think you've been here the woman says you were visiting from washington i remember Beck freezes, but not yet. And this oh, whole time, yeah. the whole time she's like, but you like, you were here, you were, it, you came here, but it was after the events, but, f- but before you came. And I would, the whole time I was like, girl, you're weird. I love it. <laughs> you're so freaking me out and I'm into it. <laughs> and see, you got that from her and me, I'm like resonating with the mother over here and with her freaking quote of beginnings and endings so this one is the story made me wonder if beginnings and endings mean anything if a story really is a line if a person is who they say they are or if we change each moment we're alive yeah i love that excuse me while i just go and ponder life in a corner for the next 20 hours. Miss <laughs> Courtney, you've got us in existential crises over here. <laughs> Seriously, the, oh, the writing is just so good. I can't wait till her next book comes out. I will be reading it. You know, honestly, I, just, I, I probably will too. Oh, I just, I am like literally amazed by this woman. Like just the whole book, the way it, the way that it interconnects the you know the back and forth but it's it's not like chaotic but you you sense the chaos in the writing and it's just absolutely well done. I just yes. can't yeah it was 
it wasn't so there we've read other books at, on the podcast that have been very straightforward like he got up he got in the shower he went to you know work and and he took the train that day and, and it was very like bomb 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 but this yep. book there's not a lot of pro i mean there's not a lot of really flowery language and i love flowery language it's kind of in the middle you know what i mean it's like there's substance to her words her sentences mean something but it's not mm -hmm. you know it's not overdone but it's easy to read i she did a i'm a fan i'm i'm, I'm a fan yeah absolutely i mean i will bow down on this one honestly out of all the books we read, I will say this is my second favorite. After the Paris Daughter. Yes, I really love that book. I know, it was so good. I was at Barnes & Noble today and I saw it on the shelf and I was like... <laughs> yes, it, it was really good. But I mean, this one is a close competitor. I, I really will give it that. I mean, guys, I did it again. I didn't read all week. And then I read this book basically in a few hours. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean that goes to show how good the book is though i mean i read over half the book today in a few hours yes yeah, so did i so it was a really I mean, stressful week guys <laughs> it really was oh the drama oh God. the drama the drama so Jen, do you want to do you want to introduce our next week's book oh yes i'm excited about this one okay so it's kind of like literally a twist between both of us. Yeah. Jane Austen and Agatha Christie kind of combo book called A Most Agreeable Murder by Julia Seals. I'm so jazzed. God, I almost wanted to crack it before we started recording. And I was like, no, I can't. I gotta wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, one at a time. So you guys, obviously, we've talked about uh, Jen's love for Agatha Christie, and she also loves she loves Jane Austen. But when I say that I'm a hoe for Jane Austen, oof, girl. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> they're they're just Matthew and I mean all all iterations, but like Colin Firth as Darcy is beautiful and then Matthew as Darcy is stunning and I just the, in the rain and I just can't anyways can anyways yes yes <gasps> that rain oh that I love rain I love I love you and I never wish to be parted from you from this day forward and I'm just like oh someone just punched me in the gut <laughs> yeah that that part that, that is part. everything it is everything <laughs> Now you're going to make me want to go watch it. <laughs> I know, I'm probably going to watch it too. <laughs> I mean, I guess they should uh, stay tuned for our next episode next week on Tuesday. Oh, guys, I'm on Twitter. Oh, yes, please follow because she's a nutbag. So listen, me and Twitter, we get into trouble. But if you want to follow us, um, we're basically devilish bookworms on everything. On Twitter, we are at dbookworms, and I post nonsense, nonsense. And Jen is more than welcome to join, but I think she doesn't want to. <laughs> she still hasn't wanna... even logged in to see what I've posted yet. It's everything. It's just nonsense. I I'm just intrigued at the fact that you said it's at dbookworms. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it there. We'll just leave it there. All right, Jennifer, I love you. Fans, friends, I love you as well. And we will see you on the next one. Yes, love you. Bye. Bye.